0: More often than not, people come and say, hey, I need a salesperson. And, you know, I could give you a salesperson in a week, but they're going to create problems for you for a year because you don't have a system, a process, a strategy, a structure, any automation, a great offer. Your whole sales system as the founder or the CEO is usually in your head. And that's not replicatable or sustainable.
1: Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, Jim. Jim, thank you so much for being here
0: with us today. Always excited to uh, talk and have provide some value, have some great conversation.
1: Excellent. So give everybody the highlight of who you are and what you do for work, <laughs> our business.
0: <laughs> uh, well, my name is Jim Padilla, and uh, I am a sales and acceleration specialist. Uh, my wife and I have a company, Gain the Edge, that specializes in growing and scaling companies um, with qualified booked appointments that lead to daily sales. That's the focus. And that entails sales strategy, sales systems, processes, and sales teams that replicate you and remove you from the sales process so that we can, you can scale while you're serving your clients instead of chasing leads and sales.
1: Love it. So let's back up the bus, bit. How did you get into sales as a thing?
0: Well, I actually, sales is something that has been, just a natural default in my life, uh, and I've been selling my whole life. Technically, all of us have been selling our whole life. You've been selling every day of your life, your whole life. That's how people marry you. That's how people go out to dinner with you. That's how people buy stuff from you. That's how your kids eat broccoli before homework, all of that stuff. So um, because you have the ability to move people to make great decisions in their own best interest, that's how we're wired as humans, just somehow in in the sales part of the business, we forget that. And we think sales has to be some sort of crazy robotic task that takes us off of being who we're supposed to be. But for me specifically, uh, you know, I, w- I was born uh, to some teenage parents and they had very little skill set of raising children. And so uh, I took the brunt of that in many ways, including, you know, a lot of physical abuse. And uh, and I was, you know, in, in foster care um, by 13 on the streets and gangs at 16 and in jail by 19. And um, I spent the first 20 years of my life spending every waking minute trying to read the room so I can learn how to bend influence in my direction. And I had to go home and try to win my mom over so that I thought I had to convince her not to beat me. I had to be at school trying to convince people that my home life was perfect. Uh, and, you know, on the streets and in gangs and everything else or win people over to my direction so that they would see me as an asset and an ally instead of as a threat. And... And a little that I know that 20 years later, I'd be making millions of dollars teaching other people how to read the room and bend influence in their direction so that you can be perceived as an ally and not as a threat so that people will let down their defenses and give you a credit card and listen to you and want what you have.
1: Nice. I love it. So we are going to delve into this and kind of at first blush, I'd like to go into, I think a lot of salespeople. Set themselves up for failure by putting people off <laughs> before they've even walked into the room. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about that, because obviously that is a skill that you've overcome with uh, immensity. I'll just put it that way. So um, one, why do people do that, in your opinion? And two, how do they overcome it?
0: You know, I mean, there's a number of reasons. Uh, it, you know, most of it just comes down to fear and people not trusting themselves to actually show up as the full measure of who they're supposed to be and you know i don't want to get ethereal and woo woo on this stuff it's just when you're at the best level of who you are you're you know you're standing tall you feel good your your head's above the riffraff and most of the time when there's problems and challenges we tend to be immersed in the problems and challenges which then take us out of being at our best level and when you're at, when you're not at your best level you don't make the best decisions so the first part is understanding that you have something to contribute in the room. I have this delusional sense of self that I, I feel like when I show up, the party starts, you know, and that people want. <laughs> that's you, know, true. <laughs> you know. Uh so when I show up and people stop talking, I don't get all self-conscious. I just assume they were talking about me and, and planning a party for me or something. And now we're just gonna carry it on. Um, but I actually believe that any room that I'm in is better for it. And you need to believe that too. And when you do, you show up differently because now you're not there's no there's no concerns. You're not worried about taking darts or somebody's going to deflate your ego or anything. You just know I'm here to deliver value. And so it doesn't matter at all what anybody thinks, because I know that I am here to contribute.
1: Nice. So you you brought up a great image for me. And I think I'll ask you because I think if anybody would know the answer to this, it'd be you, is if somebody, you know, happens to take the wrong phone call before they walk into a room, or, you know, they just get emotionally sideswiped. Uh, how do they refocus, recenter before they either walk into that room, step on that stage, do the thing that they got to do?
0: Well, life is life. And there's always many quadrants in, in cubes, and cubes and supposedly women are better at this. You know, men are spaghetti or what is it? Women are, men are, women are spaghetti, men are waffles. <laughs> like we operate in one square at a time and women can operate with everything tangled. Um, I
1: have not heard but, that one before, but I but love it.
0: All of us. Or that way we all have a million things going on and you have to be able to be in the moment. The problem that you are dealing with is going to still be there when you walk out of the room. So feel free to leave it there. It's, it's not, unless it is literally life and death, like a kidney is about to explode or something's going to happen or you have to be on an organ donor somewhere. Um No problem is so big that it can't be contextualized and put aside for the moment. Um, I actually have, a we have something that we talk about. We do training, we call them thought units. And thought units, we all have them. Um, and some people have more capacity than others. But let's just say you have 100 thought units, 100%, right? That, if you're at 100%, that means you're totally present and right here. Like right this minute, I'm not thinking about anything else. I have 100% of my thought units are right here with you. I'm not thinking about tax bills, my my kid, my kid, daughter who made me mad, or my grandson, or any, nothing. I'm just thinking I'm here. I'm with you. The moment I show up on this call and I'm thinking about something else, now I'm only 90% here or 80% here, or 50% here. And now I'm not even capable of delivering value to you because I'm not in this moment, right? So we have to make sure that we are always focusing on 100% thought units. It doesn't mean you don't get off track. It means you have to be so conscious of it that you're consistently pulling yourself back on track.
1: Nice, love it. So let's get into kind of the basis with which you work with people in particular. So are you working with sales teams to help them do their thing? Are you bringing sales teams into a company and helping them get conversions? How do you operate?
0: Well, at our our core, at at the the high end on the backside of the company, um, people bring us in to be their sales team. So we plug and play as a full sales division from senior VP of sales all the way down to salespeople on the ground, team leaders, managers, the whole thing. Um, Challenge is most people are not at the volume th- to support that, and more often than not, people come and say, "Hey, I need a salesperson." And you know, I could give you a salesperson in a week, but they're going to create problems for you for a year because you don't have a system, a process, a strategy, a structure, any automation, a great offer. Your whole sales system, as the founder or the CEO, is usually in your head, and that's not replicatable or sustainable. So now we come in and. We put systems in place that are going to build you a sales playbook, get you a system and a process that's replicatable so somebody else can actually do it. Then we come in with automation to get your sales, your qualification processes, applications, post offer, follow up, all of that stuff. And then we can start matching salespeople for you. If you're a smaller company, you know in that half a million range or under, then you know we can put a salesperson in place. If you're a bigger company with, with scale opportunities, then we plug a whole sales team in. But that's the journey that you're on, <clears throat> and it's always in service to one thing. Our our huge our metric of significance is QBA qualified booked appointments. If I can't get anything, at this entire conversation imparted into you, it is this: as QBAs go, so does your business go. QBAs will save your day. It's all about qualified booked appointments, and you need to have them. And usually, they're not leads. Leads and prospects are not QBA. Here's the differentiator: if you have Somebody who may buy the thing you're selling today, that's a lead. If you have somebody who is likely to buy all of your things because you've created a specific uh, customer journey for this person, then that's a qualified booked appointment because that's the person who understands everything you can do for them and you know how you can serve them for weeks, months, and years to come.
1: Nice, love it. So you've mentioned size of companies and sales teams. Is there any particular products or services that are Mm -hmm. best- uh, position for you, either the value of the product or anything like that.
0: Yes. Thank you for that. Uh, we work best with service-based entrepreneurs, people who are selling the invisible, essentially selling the future um, and uh, at 5k or above. So we work with experts, you know, coaches, consultants, Um, people who are selling soft skills we don't sell typically products or digital you know digital devices medical you know medical transcript we had a company that wanted us to come and sell their their medical technologies like four hundred thousand dollar units that they sell you know it's a six-month sales cycle so that that's just not our aim
1: (laughs) right so is there an ideal kind of sales cycle
0: Ideal sell cycle is something that can be sold in a 30-day period, typically. That doesn't mean that everything's going to sell in 30 days. We fully understand that. But it's not something that typically requires a long runway, a lot of knowledge, tons of education. Those are not the lanes that we, we optimize in. We can certainly help you with those strategies. But in terms of us selling for you or plugging that in, it's usually something that has a much more immediate sale.
1: Nice. Have you noticed that people that... I'm going to assume that typically the founder of the company will do sales and then they'll bring people on and then they'll kind of go, hey, you know what you're doing <laughs> Throw yeah. them to the wolves and they don't have a clue. Um, and that are finding, hey, it's taking us six months to close this and I really think it should be closing in three is that something that you would look at i'm assuming it is with the the strategy and the systems come in play and then that whole process of what are you saying when and and how much leniency are you giving your prospects to be able to make those decisions
0: yeah well you know it's interesting because um there are obviously a lot of factors and that's what we look at with like but you know most of the time it's the simplest stuff um so it's not about how great are you at closing it's how well was the offer presented Is your offer even, does your offer even have a compelling nature to it? Most of you, unfortunately, no, most of you have an offer that sucks. And I don't mean your solution (laughs) sucks. I mean, your offer is not presented in a way that makes people go, wow, I need that. And you're probably presenting it to a lot of the wrong people and maybe even at the wrong time, right? When those things are accounted for, then you no longer have to be masterful and influential. You just have to be able to present it to the right person because if you have to be masterful and influential to sell your products, that means there's something broken. It shouldn't be required for that to happen.
1: Right. Well, and I found too, it was kind of funny, man. I'm just going to use myself, the Foley's and the bonuses as an example, Um, because when we were demonstrating what we do in front of the wrong audience, oftentimes they just sit there doe-eyed and go, I don't get it. Why would anybody want that? Um, get in front of the right audience and saying one eighth of what we had said before. And they're like, yes, I need that, <laughs> yeah. which, which you know, speaks volumes to, it's not only kind of having that right messaging, getting in front of the right audiences at the right time. So are you working as well with companies to figure out kind of that ideal client's journey, but also the ideal client and how do you find them and all that kind of fun jazz?
0: Yes. uh, And that is something we're exceptionally good at is really being able to lean in and dial into who is that perfect person and not just from a who perspective, not like, oh, they're 35 and they're male and they're between this income bracket and they live in North Dakota. None of that stuff. That's great. And that's awesome. But uh, more like, what's the trigger point? What is the juncture? What is the event that's got to happen before they're ready to roll? So we focus a ton on the when. So that we get them, we want people to be in a stage of readiness, need and desire, so that they're absolutely ready to take advantage of what you have for them. And too many times, we're convinced we have the right person really at the wrong time. And we're trying to position something to them that is not an ideal fit at this moment, you know, or somebody who has uh, a, a an immediate urgent need and we're trying to sell them a 12-month solution when they what they really need is a band-aid and at this moment a fix because they're not looking to be educated they're looking to be solved right and you have to think through in your product suite product stack how do you meet people where they're at and solve the immediate problem and then move them to a place where they can now start buying into your deeper and lot more longer term solutions Right, so we spend an awful lot of time dialing into that because that's that's the stuff that makes up your offer. And when you're selling to the right QBA's qualified booked appointments, you're selling to the, those people. They're they're sussed out. They've they are most likely ready to take advantage of this because they all ideally have the bleeding neck problem that you require to solve. Right, and the the difference between a bleeding neck problem and a sore neck is night and day. You know, Michelle, when's the last time? you woke up with a sore neck, I mean, we're, we're getting, uh, you know, I know I'm getting older. I'm not sure if you are yet, but you know, sometimes you wake up and my neck's sore and all I did was sleep on it wrong. Right. That stuff didn't happen 25 years ago. But um, when you wake up with those sore necks, do you go to the emergency room for treatment? You don't, you just, you take some aspirin or you stretch, you roll it out, you put some oil on it, you do something on it. Right. But when you wake up and your neck is gushing, you're going to the emergency room or you're going to die, right? So, Absolutely. and you know why you're there and everybody else knows why you're there. That and would, so if your business is the same thing, most of you are way, you're very busy solving people's sore neck. They don't know that they really want to solve it. They don't know they want to invest deeply in a big solution and they're not even sure what caused it. So right? give
1: me an example of a a client that you might've worked with that was, was focused on the wrong area. Because I think people kind of conceptually get it, and they're like, "Yeah, but I don't get how it applies to me." So, you know, what's a client example I might have?
0: Sure. So, you know, we have uh, we have we have clients we have a client we work with who does film rate right? film. She's a film production, so she helps fundraise and get films distributed. And she was working with people who were wanting to create a film. And she was having some challenges because it's like, okay, we're trying to inspire this person to have a dream of, you know, they think about some days they fantasize about it, but they've never even created a film. And so they don't have a bleeding neck problem of needing to get their film funded or distributed because they don't even really have a film. So, But she's focusing on the sore neck because I really would like to fund a film and distribute it. First, I got to make one. And so now and then we shift to people who have a film. It's <laughs>
1: almost focused on like, if you come and walk through this door, eventually you'll get a sore neck. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. I'm
1: not sure that's how good. that would
0: work. Either. That's good, right? But it's sometimes <laughs> we're just so married to what we do that we don't right. see it. We're so romantically connected to our right. solutions that we believe so much greater in them with the capacity. And it's not that this isn't a good product for that person. It's just that's not the person who's bleeding just yet. So we want to get the person who's got a film has tried a couple of times to get somebody to produce it, fund it, whatever, and they've given up because they got dejected, whatever. Now there's a true pain point, a real bleeding neck. My, met, I have this film and nobody wants it. Therefore, I'm a failure or whatever goes along with that. Those are people that she can actually do some great things for because they've got a bleeding neck problem. And they know what it is and it's obvious to everyone.
1: I, I love that example. And it also kind of <laughs> begs the question, so... At that point, as a kind of business owner and thinking, oh, what's my niche? I'm going, ah, but if they need it that bad, then they're not in a position of want. Therefore, they probably are going to give me the excuse. I can't afford it. And I've spent all my money doing what blah blah. What do you say to that?
0: Yeah. Um, well, first of all, um, make hear this as clear as you can. We don't actually teach overcoming objections anymore Fair because enough. there's a million people who do. Um, Basically, anybody who says, I need to think about it, I can't afford it, I got to talk to my spouse, any of those, none of that is what they're really saying. None of that is true. What they're really saying is you did not clearly identify any reason why I should move forward with you. That's what they're telling you. And that's the only thing they're telling you. So anything else you're saying is because you're trying to accommodate your ego that is bruised at this moment. Don't say, look, I don't like to work with people who aren't committed. It's not that they're not committed. It's that you didn't find the right language, the right questions, the way to articulate their problem. Make sure you understand this. If they are on a call call with you or at your event or at your workshop or webinar, whatever that is, they didn't just happen to show up here. They didn't just wander in. They saw something, they stopped the scroll, they clicked on it, they read it, they digested it, they decided to register, give you their information, put it on their calendar, do whatever prep work you gave them, read your show up and registration emails, and carve out time in their calendar to show up and then be here to be with you. Those are an awful lot of steps that people go through if they're not really interested in solving their problem, because they could literally be anywhere else in the world. So please don't tell. let people go, well, I was just here to check it out. No, they weren't. They're here because they have a problem to solve. You have to get better at assessing what that problem is and increasing the likelihood that most of the people you're talking to really do have that problem. And they're at a juncture where they must do something about solving it.
1: I love that. Well, and it's not necessarily just from the sales perspective, but oftentimes from the the executives positioning in going, well, that's not the market we want to go after. And right. the salesperson like, yeah, actually we do. <laughs> just, right. Yeah, actually.
0: It um, is, and I think,
1: again, it comes back to that strategy talk.
0: It's it's huge. We talk about this a lot. It's like, you know, I don't want to over... Some people are just in business to do business. I get it. Maybe you're selling office supplies and you got a box of clips, and it's like, who really cares? I guess, whatever. But even then, there's still an ulterior motive. It's like, if you own an office supply store... It should be because you really care about entrepreneurs doing well. And, you know, there's got to be some underlying motive that makes the mission valuable. And these are things that we teach. We actually have an anti-closer sales system that we put in front of people. And it's, you know, part of that process is getting your team on board to what's the mission and what's at stake for these people. What's the real problem that they've got? And what's at stake if they don't solve it, right? Because these are the things that get everybody in your company paddling the same direction. And your admin people Your tech team, everybody needs to be also included in what is this mission about? Because everything they're doing, if they're writing copy, if they're putting together a sales page or doing something in your CRM, like Michelle, right? She needs to know what's the mission here. Like, because all of that affects how things go out and what's the end product and what does it always look like? So it is your job as the CEO, as leadership, you're constantly checking against who are we trying to solve problems for? What are the problems we're trying to solve? What do we actually want them to be able to do as a result of them solving it? You know, because for me, this is all about us being able to empower business owners to be in full control of their own existence and reality. Because if you're a victim of the marketplace, you don't get to control anything. But if you can make sales in any environment and you have a business that's actually been designed to generate revenue every day, you're never a victim to anything. You literally live large and get to show up as the leader for the people who are seeking you because they desperately need what you have. I
1: love it. So what would you say is your favorite part of your business?
0: Um, it, it's really, I, I'm on the vision side of things. I'm vision and strategy. I love seeing people get crystal clear about the incredible prosperity and abundance that is available to them. When people see that, all of a sudden life changes. You know, uh, It's it's incredible. Because most of us are very, very stuck in the day-to-day grind of business, and we're so focused on the tactics and the strategies of things that you can't get above it, and then you're only as good as your best day, instead of recognizing that you are absolutely needed, absolutely desirable. And when and when you when you can see that there is a pathway towards the the success that you want, and that you can actually help people, man, the game changes, and it's fun. Then it's just exciting every day.
1: Nice, I love it. So give us an example of a Cinderella story of one of your clients.
0: Um, gosh, we've had so many blessings uh, to be able to provide to people. Um, you know. We, we worked with uh, uh, Sashin Patel, Living Proof um, Industries, and he, they're, they're um, I always forget the best ways to say these things, but a natural, uh, natural healing invite, right? they work with a lot of alternative medicine and health, um, came to us um, nine days before they had a big event. We came on board, fine-tuned his offer, um, fine-tuned the process and generated, a, you know, $2.7 million with them over the course of. Uh, of about of nine months um, and doing some events and strategies with him, but just really just getting simple, fine-tuned, helping him see crystal clear that he has really changed lives at scale and has the opportunity to do even more. Um, and, you know, it, not that we need to, we didn't give him a purpose. We just gave him the ability to be able to drive to that purpose so much cleaner and, and more effectively. Um, And then, uh, you know, at smaller scale, you know, we we have so many people that we've taken from just trying to crest that six figure mark to, you know, people who who come a lot. Of the standard thing when people come to us is they want a 10k month, right? Joanne, who filmmaker, right? To another, we have a few of those. Um, And her goal was when she came to us was I need to make 10k months consistently. Consistently, now 10k is the floor, right? She's had 20k months. She's had 90 90k months she's generated a lot of revenue. And now if she's not generating 10 K a month, it's a failure in her mind So her, everything about her is just being able to make that happen because it's simple. She has simple processes, strategies, she knows who she is. She knows what she does. She knows how to sell. Um, And she's got the right systems and structure in place. So those are the things that, that we, we are able to provide with people.
1: I love it. Well, and you bring up the events, um, strategy for creating sales. Um, if somebody's not doing events, is that an area where you're going? Hey, <laughs> as far as strategy goes, you know, you missed out on a huge opportunity, or your business is primed for this. We could do it. And are there other ways that people are equally blind to?
0: Yes. Uh, again, everything comes down to QBA. That's that's our everything is qualified booked appointments, and events are the fast track to QBA. Like you can have you can re- have QBAs every day, and we want you to have them. But you can also have a multiple of them in one day, right? You can generate a year's worth of income in three days at an event. Um, There's no better strategy in any business vertical. And we've worked with people across multiple industries, you know, from widgets, products, technology. This is the one area that every single company can benefit from. It is literally its own revenue stream that you're missing out on if you don't have an events process strategy plugged into your business. And those can be small events, monthly workshops, executive boardrooms, or massive conferences. It just depends on your audience and, and what you're putting in front of them. If you have a $25,000 offer and you can put 15 people in a room and sell to five of them, you just had $125,000 a day. So you don't need 500 people to make a successful event, right? Um, so that's something that I highly recommend uh, that, that that you take advantage of. And then, the you know, the other things that people are really missing out on is, um, and, and right now, especially in today's market, is the ability to stay relevant in multiple markets, right? So if you can solve a problem for a specific market, now this is dangerous, please be careful how you proceed with this. Um, if you're just trying to prove your offer, you, you don't have it, can please stay in one lane, stay as narrowly focused in that lane as you can until you know that offer rocks and crushes it. But if you're generating some revenue consistently, and now you're looking for multiple revenue streams, look at right now. Every single thing you have done to solve problems for your client is a potential product. Okay, anything you've solved, any problem you've solved for your team or for your clients, right? You mean, like maybe we, we maybe your whole thing is we help you build scripts. Great, you help build scripts. In the meantime, you also help them figure out how to onboard, how to dial things in, how to uh, how, how to organize their team, how to get stuff in place. You have templates and resources and stuff you've created to help serve them. Why not start making those things additional revenue streams? Those are then productized. And once you create it, Create it once, you sell it forever. And most of us are firmly convinced that we have to give everybody as much as humanly possible. And that is a big failure point. I actually, uh, there's an article that I read. and I still I have it. I share it on a lot of webinars. Um, it was a study that Google did with, in conjunction with Zendesk a few years ago. And it was talking about the difference, the the metrics of surprise and delight. Who's ever bought into the myth of, I got to surprise and delight, my clients, right? We all have. Um, the problem is, most of your clients don't want to be surprised and delight. They want the one thing they paid for, and they want the outcome that the, you said you could get them. But we're so busy trying. We, we spend 20 to 30% more trying to surprise and delight them, yet it only increases between 12 and 14% of increased loyalty because they don't care. They don't want those things, and it's putting you in a position to have scope creep and start doing more things than they actually hired you to do, and more of those things you will fail at. And then instead of they hired you to do something specific, like, you know, you, they hired you for CRM, tech management, tech enablement, and then you decide, hey, you know what, we're going to help you with your sales training too. And then they blow a deal, they get mad at you, and they fire you, even though they didn't hire you to do sales. They hired you to do tech. And But, but the scope creep will kill us, right? So um, make sure that we're crystal clear on the problems that you solve, be willing to solve them, and then start charging for the next Step in the journey and people will stay with you forever if you can consistently prove that you can solve their problems for them.
1: Nice. I, I love that. And yeah, I've seen it happen so many times <laughs> that the client gets upset because all they see is you working on these other things. And it's like, yeah, but <laughs> I want that done. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a fantastic point. Awesome. So I know our listeners are going to want to hear more from you. How did they start that journey with you?
0: Uh, best place is go to my personal website, gymp360.com, J-I-M-P360.com. J-I-M-P 360.com. And when you get there, you will there's you'll see a contact button, right? This is my you can connect me with my all my social medias, all my websites, everything about me. Um, but just go to the contact button, shoot me a text, and uh just tell me that you were here, you know, on on the podcast and um, if you, if you uh, just say, just type in ACCS, ACCS is our adaptive conscious selling, conscious conversational sales process that we are getting ready to launch. And we're looking, we would love to share with you uh, some resources around that and help you find out where you're at in your sales journey and what we can do. So just shoot me your name and your are ACCS. And if you would like to know more about converting sales without you having to be a sales guru, and we'd love to see what we can do to help you.
1: Nice. I love that. And did you want to tell us a little bit more about that program or? I would love to
0: actually. Um our we uh again, people come to us saying, hey, we need a salesperson. That's like the biggest thing. And so we don't, we this is our our version of sales training. I don't ever want to be lumped into the sales trainer bucket because there's literally a billion of them and you can hit a, a you know, you can hit them with a stick if you just reach out the window. Um, and we are so much more than that. This focus of the adaptive conscious conversational selling process, this is step one in getting your sales playbook in place and your ideal process so that you can, we can replicate what you're doing, document what you're doing, put it into a system, make sure that it is something that can be handed off to somebody else. Then we come back in after that with automation and being able to select a salesperson for you after that and help you do that. But until then, If you don't solve this problem, then you're going to be the only salesperson you have worth the crap for the rest of your life. And you're going to be trapped in selling your business for the rest of your life. And who wants to do that? Did you get in business to sell? Where did you get in business to serve people and deliver and deliver products and be the leader of the industry and set your vision and your purpose, right? We just want to be here to help you win in that game, excuse me, and be able to help as many people as you can. And you can only do that once you can get to a place where you're not the person who is responsible for making all the sales happen.
1: I love it. So we will, of course, have all of Jim's links in the show notes. Scroll down. You can click on all of those links. If your sales are just not keeping up to where you want your fulfillment to be, give him a call. Just see what's going on. See how he might be able to help you with my ideas and be able to break through that so that you can get to running the business of your dreams because that is what it's all about. I love it. So, Jim, I get to ask you, at what point in life did you know you're especially kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur?
0: I really, uh, at a young age, uh, the first official time was, uh, when I was in fifth grade and, um, I, I was always good at rounding up other people and leveraging other people. Um, we, you ever have, you remember those scholastic book magazines, yeah. the sales? Well, we had a big rally in that. And the, whoever sold the most was going to get to put a pie in the face of the teacher that you wanted to. And I desperately wanted to put a pie in the face of Mr. Henry. So I ground up all my crew and said, everybody go get all these book magazine sales. And then we transferred them all to my form. And so I got, I had the most amount, turned them in. Uh, We we leveraged this. And then I got to put a pie in Mr. Henry's face on behalf of all of my buddies. Um, And that's how I, that was my first true real business venture. True entrepreneurialism right there. (laughs) It's (laughs) got nothing
1: to do with the money it's all about. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Oh yeah, you've been absolutely awesome, Jim. Any last words for our peeps?
0: You know just remember that this is that it's not about you but it can't be done without you your people need you and i know we're living in a tough time in the marketplace and um, just know that all the problems around you are nothing but opportunities waiting to be taken advantage of And don't be the person who's circling the wagons and running for cover. Be the person that's leaning in and making a difference. I actually just launched an Opportunity Makers podcast last week. Um, And so check us out wherever you check out your podcasts. And uh, the whole journey there, the whole conversation is about showing you different ways to think, different ways to look, and different ways to make money and serve people all around you.
1: I love that. So Opportunity Makers podcast, we will have that in the show notes as well.
0: Excellent. I love it.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Thank you. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show, share with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business. As such, the notes for this show can be found at our website at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, I like five stars personally, and share with your friends.